Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our study in the book of Daniel. The title of this episode and the next episode is Misunderstanding Prophecy and World War III. This isn't a joke, and it's not cheap sensationalism. Misunderstanding biblical prophecy could be a significant contributor to World War III. This is going to be a two-part study on Daniel chapter 7 and asking some very significant questions about the millennium. And what I'm going to do is start with understanding biblical prophecy. I have in the past a lot of times started with what I regard as the, what shall I say, less than accurate view of biblical prophecy or the inaccurate views of biblical prophecy and then moving towards the true. But the inaccurate ones are so confusing, by the time you get done with that, everybody's just left out in space. They just don't get it. So I've decided to reverse that process. Next episode, we're going to go exactly in a few steps what the misunderstanding of biblical prophecy is and how that will lead or could lead to World War III. But today, we're going to try to understand the big prophecy question. And we've been studying Daniel 7 about what happened after Jesus's ascension into heaven. That was 40 days after his bodily resurrection. Now, we read in the beginning of the book of Acts, he goes up to heaven in a cloud, but okay, well, what? where has he been for the last 2,000 years? What's going on? Well, he's not in the clouds. In Daniel 7, Starting verse 13, we read, I saw in the night vision. So the the book of Acts is we see him go up, and then it switches perspectives to see him from heaven's perspective coming up into the throne room of God. I saw in the night visions, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom. These are all ruling, reigning, kingship, kingdom terminology that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. In a nutshell, Jesus was officially enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords over the entire universe. Now, here are the chief questions regarding biblical prophecy. And the chief questions about biblical prophecy both revolve around the millennium. The millennium being that 1,000-year period prophesied in Revelation chapter 20. And how you view the millennium is going to color so much of your understanding of biblical prophecy. So the first would be the question, is the millennium a future reality? 
those who believe in the rapture at any moment and the rapture before the Antichrist and all that, they're called dispensationalists, if you've been with us. All those believe that the millennium is a future reality, as well as there are others who don't believe in the rapture at any moment type of popular viewpoint, but they do believe that the millennium is still yet future. The second question we want to ask, is the millennium a present reality? Now, just by asking this question in the presence of someone who believes in a future millennium, at first they're going to think you're off your rocker. Of course it's future. But the present reality view is one that's held by Catholics. It's in the Catholic catechism. And you need to be aware that not all Protestants believe in the rapture at any moment by any means. There are many what I call underappreciated prophecy teachers within Protestant ranks who also follow St. Augustine like the Catholic Church does, to at least a significant degree. Now, what I want to give you today is the understanding, the proper understanding of the big prophecy question, and then next episode will lead into the misunderstanding of the big prophecy question. And the bottom line, when is the millennium, present or future? The millennium is the kingdom reign of Jesus, okay? And the best place to read about the millennium, as I already mentioned, is Revelation chapter 20. But before we turn to Revelation 20, I'd like us to look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. In particular, I want you to pay attention to the first four words of Daniel 7, 9. As I looked, thrones, okay, thrones, plural, in the throne room of heaven, God is in the ultimate throne, but there are co-regents with him. And it says, thrones were placed, and one that was the Ancient of Days took his seat, and his throne, there were fiery flames and wheels as of burning fire. Now, by the way, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, if I give you a catechism reference as we're studying prophecy, make note of these. In fact, I probably need to put together a little guide just using the catechism and corresponding scriptures because the catechism references are better and more accurate than many Catholic books on prophecy. I'll say that one more time. The catechism, these brief references, clear as crystal, are more accurate and better than many Catholic books on biblical prophecy, and they're certainly better than the stuff you read on the internet about people getting their own prophecies, okay? In, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 664, it says this, being seated at the Father's right hand signifies the inauguration of the Messiah's kingdom. Well, when President Trump was inaugurated as President of the United States, it became the beginning of his presidential authority. If Jesus, sitting at the Father's right hand, this is what we just read in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, that means it's the inauguration of the Messiah's kingdom. Now, this happened 2,000 years ago, and those who are looking to a future millennium 
are believing that this happens sometime in the future yet, yet it's been a reality for 2,000 years. Again, this is right out of the catechism. It's the fulfillment of the prophet's Daniel vision concerning the Son of Man. And then the catechism goes on to quote, right in the middle of the paragraph of the catechism, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14. says, To him was given dominion and glory and kingdom, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And says, And after this, the apostles became witnesses of that kingdom that will have no end. That was to go out and proclaim the gospel was saying Christ is king. He's the Messiah. He's the ruler of the world. Okay, so let's remember I said we're going to go to Revelation 20, but first I wanted to make a stop at Daniel 7, 9. As I looked, thrones, that's Daniel 7, 9. Let's go to Revelation 20, the millennium chapter, and verse 4. Then I saw thrones. How remarkable. (laughs) It's the same vision of the throne room in heaven. And seated on them were those to whom judgment was committed. So as in Daniel, God is the ultimate throne. It's the divine throne. But in God's throne room, he has co-regents, those reigning with him, plural. It says in Revelation 20 and verse 4, it speaks of those who are ruling and reigning with Christ. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, this is where those who disagree with the present millennium say, well, this can't be. I mean, no one has been resurrected from the dead yet, so we can reign with Christ. We're on earth. We're not in heaven reigning with Christ. And then it says in the next verse, Revelation 20 and verse 5, this is the first resurrection. Okay, here we go. This is rather important, but it's very clear. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, okay? And we're reflecting on Revelation 20 where it says they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. These are two things that are just... Honestly, somebody think you're nuts to believe in a present millennium because we haven't come to life. We haven't been raised. We haven't been raptured, however you want to call it. And we're certainly not reigning with Christ. Okay, is that right? Let's look at St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 1. And you, Catholics living in Ephesus, you he made alive when you were dead through trespasses and sins. God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Twice it says, you were dead, he made you alive. You were dead, he made you alive. And then verse 6, and this is one that's in a certain sense incomprehensible because we simply don't know who we are. We don't know what has happened as a result of our baptism and faith union with Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. This is one to think about a long time. And raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ever since that scene prophesied in Daniel chapter 7 and fulfilled with the ascension of Christ, Christ sitting on the throne of the universe. He raised us up with him. If he's seated on the throne, we're seated with him. That's what it says, Ephesians 2, 6. 
And he says, well, this is just outlandish stuff, Steve. This isn't even Catholic stuff. Well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in section 1003, united with Christ by baptism, believers already truly participate in the heavenly life with the risen Christ, but this life remains hidden with Christ in God. In other words, there's no neon signs about it. There's no earthquakes regarding it, but we have been made alive. This is the first resurrection. It's not talking about the bodily resurrection. It's a second coming. It talks about when Christ accomplished redemption, he made us alive, and not just made us alive to go about our business as though nothing happened. You know, years ago, in fact, I just reordered a copy because I lost my copy. A very kind man in Scotland gave me a book entitled Cinderella with Amnesia. It was about the church. I forgot exactly, really, everything in that book except the title, that the church is like Cinderella in her poverty, looking at that slipper and wonder, I wonder whose that is. You know, I wonder, wonder what this is all about. Made us alive together with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 2, 6 and exactly what Revelation 20 verses 4 and 5 talking about. We reign with him for a thousand years, indicative of the time of the church. And what are we doing? Are we skipping a prayer life, personal prayer life? Are we just kind of snoozing through the corporate prayers and mass? Or are we realizing that we're ruling and reigning with him in Christ Jesus? I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 155 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.